males are born, men are built. This is the Great Man Podcast, where we want you to build great men as you allow other men to build you. Join New York Times bestselling author Stephen Mansfield, along with seasoned leaders of men, as we bring a wide range of experience and expertise to help you become the great man you are designed to be. Gentlemen, let us begin. Well, wait a minute. What? Who is, is, this is, a, is this a repeat? Are we, are we listening? It's like six months ago? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, let us begin. <laughs> wait a minute. I've already who, said that. Who, why are you, you want to take that away from me? As you can tell, there's already an argument going on. So you know who's in the house joining us today. Introduce yourself to the gentlemen that don't know you. I am the Anthony Flemons, oh, the real Anthony Flemons. Here we go. The white Anthony Flemons. <laughs> no, this is uh, this is JT. Yeah, back with you. Cool. Well, welcome back, man. Thanks, man. Jay, Jay Kim, what's up, man? You you've had an interesting, I guess, <laughs> week or so. Uh, tell us a little about the adventures of Jay Kim and Bride. Oh, you. We're going into that. Yeah, man. I mean, I mean let's, yeah, you have let's to, just ease you know. into it, man. Yeah. Um, my wife got into a pretty bad car accident Thursday. And and we're making light of it. So it's not <laughs> it's, it's not something to laugh about. But bring us up to speed. It was like the first day of like a nine day break for me. So I was just, you know, expecting to just relax and instead uh, became chauffeur. And we brought her to the to the doctors and checked her out. So she's. She's doing okay. She's just br- a lot of bruises. They did a MRI of her brain. Um, Which, by the way, we did that when she said she would marry Jay. Yeah. We, no, we, MRI. <laughs> yeah, right now. Go to the brain. Absolutely. We, we got to figure no, this I was, out. I was yeah. just setting myself up for that. Yeah, like, you but sure you're, did, you're being yeah. overly optimistic <laughs> yeah, there you on go. this discussion that we're discussing today. But it was it was a pretty dramatic yeah. accident. It wasn't just like a boom boom fender bender. Everybody gets in the car and drives home. I mean, it was pretty dramatic and yeah. and uh, left a lot of damage on your vehicle and quite a bit on the other vehicle. And we're trying to figure out a way how to blame this guy for it because <laughs> clearly it was his fault. I went over ninety miles an hour and hit your bride. That's just the that's just the way the justice system and insurance works. Is you know I I have to prove something to make it his liability yeah. but until then it's my fault for cool. some reason it's your fault that your wife had an accident oh no it's her fault i'm wow. not <laughs> well he's a leader I'll, he's I'll a leader of his own yeah. man he is taking on that responsibility there you go. Yeah. There you i'll go. take it there you go but she's doing well yeah yeah she's she's feeling better they got her on muscle relaxers and painkillers so she's yeah. great <laughs> yeah she's feeling she's like, okay. i feel awesome i'm like yeah do you notice that jay's eyes are a little red shot yeah he's been helping her with her medicine helping her (laughs) well cool man today today this is an interesting subject yeah an interesting guy and then it's almost befitting or perfect for to see you back in the studio with us discussing this topic jt it is and first of all you know jay alluded to earlier when we were discussing amongst ourselves that when we were talking about you know how do we introduce me coming back to the and he said and you know I have to believe him because he's <laughs> he's not a liar that Stephen told him that we should spend the first 
would you say 30, 30 minutes, minutes. <laughs> honoring him and you know him stepping in he didn't have Absolutely. to do that you know, i mean no. i didn't say it steven did so yeah yeah so steven. we gotta do it <laughs> and there's no way we can get in, in touch with steven right now i don't think so. 30 minutes would be long enough guys <laughs> yeah, honestly we'll dedicate the next podcast just <laughs> completely to honoring you so i do let's take at least 30 seconds and maybe not 30 minutes but i do want to honor you jay i mean we've known of course we've known all each other for quite a while uh to the point that i actually officiated both of your weddings <laughs> my, to the my same first bride. And second wedding <laughs> yeah to the same bride <laughs> yeah people are going what so just as a back it's, it's a common thing you know you have yeah. your covid wedding in someone's backyard I, and then you have the real big ceremony where you later. invite the outside germs yeah. to come in and they did so we did a, a ceremony during right. covid in somebody a friend's backyard which yeah. was great it was only maybe seven of us there or whatever the funny thing about that moment was they had her dad on an ipad mm. and he kind of walked her down but he couldn't hear oh no so this was kind of like am i supposed to be on yet you know he's in the background <laughs> it's, it's really quite funny uh great guy by the way obviously but then we did his second wedding the one that everybody where we come all to. came to. yeah about a year a year later or something yeah, like that yeah, yeah, yeah. And almost uh, to the day the only thing i could think of as op- as an opening statement was man this is like deja vu all of yeah, <laughs> what the heck i think i've done this before yeah. <laughs> but anyway i do jay thank you so much you didn't have to step in and and help anthony which obviously he needs a lot of help absolutely uh, <laughs> but man thank you so much for stepping in it was my um, honor man you brought such an interesting perspective uh that i don't have anthony doesn't have and i think the guys that listen to this podcast probably really appreciated that and and we want to keep it around yeah we'll obviously bring him back from time to time as his schedule allows and let because he's again he's younger uh different ethnicity has a uh, just a different upbringing, different way of thinking. And I think that adds to this podcast. He's also newly married and they're constantly on these getaways and jet offs and going to stay <laughs> yeah. at bed and breakfasts and yeah. watching Andy Griffin shows and all this stuff that he brought us up to speed. Like on. a young couple does, right? We go see live <laughs> yeah. Andy Griffin shows. You know, it's funny. And I was telling Jay, man, I've been married 23 years, coming up on 23, was with my wife another four years before that. And we've never, ever gone and stayed at a bed and breakfast so i know that i'm missing out man from what you told me i'll give you some recommendations yeah i gotta go we gotta go do it actually you said that you go to a bed and breakfast every day because you get out of bed (laughs) and christina makes you breakfast Uh, isn't that what you said to me yeah so there you go uh, today's today's subject matter man we're gonna gonna get into something that'll keep me out of trouble but uh you know, this is interesting. I had never heard of it. I know that you've heard of it. Had yeah. you heard of this before, Jay Kim? No, and I, I read Jim Collins' Good to Great. So. <laughs> and you don't even remember the blurb to it. Yeah. You know, today we want to talk about a, a world-renowned guy, James yeah. Bond. James Bond Stockdale. No, his Great. name is yeah. James Bond Stockdale, but we're going to talk about the Stockdale paradox. Yeah. And Jay and JT, can you give us an overview of what what this paradox is all about and what we're going to be discussing and how it relates to our lives and all that? Yeah, I mean, basically, in Good to Great, I mean, it's one of my favorite books that I've ever read. And I remember that it was actually just a couple of pages uh, in the book. But I mean, basically is hold on to the vision of your future, but you have to face the realities of today. Yeah. And again, that's what kept him, Admiral Stockdale, 
grounded, we should say, during the time of imprisonment as a as a as a prisoner of war. Right. That he he was like, I, I know, and we were talking about this. Like, can you imagine every day facing the exact same thing, which is torture, loneliness? Every single day, you know that this is what you're going to face. Hoping, by the way, that somebody's going to come and rescue rescue you. you. Yeah, you know, and, and just a quick thirty second biography of James Bond Stockdale. He was a Navy admiral, and he was a decorated fighter pilot. Uh, and during this time, when when there were the uh, prisoners of war, he was actually the highest, the highest ranking, ranking. Yeah. official to ever be captured in the Vietnam War. And you, you're hearing that Texas come out. That's one of those words I can't really say war. But he's he was uh, uh, held in the Hanoi Hilton, mm-hmm. which is world renowned for the abuses and all that stuff. And he was shot down. But he was he was a prisoner of war from sixty five all the way into a new decade, all the way into 73. Yeah. So he was there a long time. And this is kind of discusses in his books and his writings and his speeches discuss how it was that he maintained life and maintained his sensibilities and maintained the drive to make it out. Because he said the number one indicator of those people that wouldn't make it out the other end was what? Optimism. Overly optimistic. Walking in with the rah-rah spirit going, it's going to be great. I got this all planned out. I got great ideas how we're going to get out of here. And coming in and not being willing to look at the vastly desperate realities that you're facing right now. Yeah, We have to have an eye towards ultimate success, but we have to be grounded in the realities that we face on a daily battle. Yeah. It reminded me, by the way, and there's a scene in the movie Braveheart at the end where he's about to be tortured and the queen comes to him and she wants to, him to take a serum to deaden the pain. Mm. She loves him and she wants to, so she doesn't want him to feel the pain about what he's going through. So he drinks it. She leaves and he spits it out because his sentence was, I have to keep my wits about me. Mm. And I just, I, I thought about that going Stockdale kept his wits about him the whole time. Now, again, I'm sure there are days uh, as I thought through this, there are days that he absolutely wanted to give up. I'm, that he was I'm begging for a bourbon. Positive. <laughs> Just, yeah, I don't want my wits anymore because yeah. I don't want to face the, the reality of today because sure. I know there's going to be pain. I know there's going to be things associated with the day that I don't want to face. And I, and I found it interesting with that analogy. There's always going to be people that want to deaden the pain of what you're going through. Yeah. And they actually love you. They actually are for you. But you have to keep your wits about yourself while you're going through what you're going through. Yeah, they're concerned about the pain that you're going through. And they come in with this optimistic kind of air about them with all these ideas on how to keep us from hurting the way that we are. And I can imagine, you know, them being in there three years or two years and somebody walking in going, "Uh, man, we'll be out of here next week. Don't worry about it. They're coming to get us. It's all going to work out. Yeah. 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 I'm sure he was like, uh... (laughs) Okay, young and yeah, why don't you sit down over there and we'll see how this works out yeah, for see you. See me in sixty yeah. days. Yeah, it kind of reminded me when he's talking about the uh, the optimists, mm. where it the Bible says in Proverbs thirteen twelve, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Mm. But then it goes on to say that uh, desire fulfilled is the tree of life. And mm. I was thinking of that like even in the face of our reality, there are desires that can be fulfilled. You know what I mean? There are things that you mm. can aim for. 
Mm. And if you're just trying to think about like, it'll be over soon, you're going to miss out on the tree of life that happens in your life in the, in the desperate times. Jay, will you say that again though? And just, and cause I want to grab that man. Cause it was a pretty good nugget. Okay. Um, in the midst of, <laughs> in the midst of your desperate reality, um, there are moments where you can fulfill desires mm. where it's that, you know, where it says a hope, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is the tree of life. And I'm thinking about like the worthwhile, noble things. They're often things that you pursue in the midst of strife. Jeez. They're never things that you, you get when you're comfortable and you're feeling fine. You know, the, these are things that when you pursue them and you achieve them, your tree of life, your no, your nobility, your manhood comes from what you do in the desperate times. You keep your wits about you and you you go and you achieve greatness. And you're not going to achieve greatness if you're comfortable. You're not going to achieve greatness sitting on your couch, you know, and, you know, I've got everything I wanted. I hope for I'm free, you know, which is very optimistic. Yeah. And we talked about this being overly optimistic. I mean, just in our own lives, it's not that we have a cheerleader following us around and rah, rah, the optimism of you're going to win no matter what, you know, it's not, I don't think it's that kind of optimistic. You showed up. So you already won. Yeah. I, I, I do think that we, as men, we're overly optimistic looking at our situations that we say, Oh, I can stop this at any time. Yeah. Let's say you have an addiction. Let's say you have, you know, something that befuddles you and has done that for quite a, quite a while. I mean, we always tell ourselves, man, I can, I can change this at any time or, uh, I can do it myself. Like I don't need help to change this. That's an overly optimistic point of view. Yeah. And it's like when we face that, when we say, okay, if you could stop at any time, you would have already had done it but you haven't because you can't because you think that you can do it on your own, but you really can't. You yeah. need actually somebody it's like stock. He didn't, he did not save himself. Somebody came at some point and, and freed him from the prison that he was in. Yeah. And sometimes we, uh, we were talking about this and you know, this ties into where have I been for the last five months I created a prison myself that I had the key to, but I was unwilling to unlock the door and walk out because for whatever reason. And I think we do that as men. Uh, we just say, you know, whatever I'm involved in, whatever I'm doing uh, that I know probably is not the best for me and my family, but I can stop this at any time or I can get out of this on my own or I can, you know, man, there's all kinds of, of excuses that we come up with. And Steven said that men, men can come up with oh, some man. excuses. Yeah. Right. And, you know, again, for the last five months, I've had to face my own demons, so to speak, and go, you know what, if I'm going to face this, then I have to get rid of everything I'm doing. And, and basically that's what I did. I mean, it was pretty quick. Yeah. It was, it was, here's reality. And sometimes reality, we realize it because of pain and sometimes we realize it because of the pain that we've created for in others. others. Yeah. Right. And so that was, that was, I was both end in that situation. Yeah. The situation I found myself in. So it was like, okay, I have to stop every single thing I'm doing because this is so important that I have to face this reality and I don't need any distractions. And basically that's what I did. No distraction. 
I mean, I resigned from this. I resigned from the church I work at. I resigned from the many little things that I was doing that was time suckers. Leadership you know, things. Leadership things, whatever. Yeah. And I just said, I'm going to focus on one thing. What? Well, well, two things. I got to make money. So yeah. uh, I did that. But I need to focus on this inside of me. And and actually, I need some help. So I went to therapy. I got my friends around me because it was it was pretty brutal uh, what I had to face. Yeah. And I didn't want to face it to be bluntly honest. It's not something that I was running toward. He's going, man, I cannot wait to face this. It forced you back to five or six years old too. It forced me to look back over your life. And again, that's a, that's a prison, right? So some of the prisons that we're in are things that were done to us. Some prisons are things that we've done to ourselves. Mine was because of what was done to me, then I created my own prison. Yeah. And so I had to, I had to break free from that and I had to get out of my own hell, so to speak. And I had to face reality. I love what he said. I, I love what Stockdale said in the sense of you have to hold to the future, but we have to look the bastards in the eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had to look a lot of bastards in the eye and go, okay, why are you looking? I'm, at I'm not going to let you. I, well, there's many reasons <laughs> that could be one, but, but I, but I had to go, I have to look these bastards in the eye because they have infiltrated my life for so long that now it's just normal. Yeah. And I don't want it to be normal. And I thinking back at Stockdale, I mean, you just think seven years in a prison, it became normal for him to be there. It just blows my mind that you can become so used to torture, so used to loneliness that it becomes your natural state and how you have to kind of accept that state in order to survive that state. Yeah. But then you can't, the Stockdale paradox is, well, I can't lose the vision that I have for my future. Mm. Once I lose that, then this defeats me and I, and I go away. And I'm sure there were times where he was, he was, man, just kill me. I mean, the mercy would be to take my life at this point. You know, just don't, don't let me go through this again. Yeah. And I was just thinking, man, how many guys think that way? I mean, I just had a friend this week take his own life because I know that he came to the point of, I can't, well, I mean, I don't know this for sure. So I'm just guessing by looking saying, man, I, I just can't take this prison that I've created anymore. I can't see a way out of it. I can't see the future without whatever. Nobody's coming to save me. Yeah. Yeah, I can't save myself, you know, all these things. And and that's when the enemy, man. And and again, we're not talking spiritual, like the devil, even though you could, but it's like, man, what, what enemies of your soul and of your life continually talk, continually tell you what you're not going to be, what you can't be because of all these situations and things, maybe things that happened to you as a kid that you've never dealt with. Maybe things that you've done to your wife that you've never dealt with. Maybe Mm. things that you've done with your kids that you've never dealt with. Maybe you have resentment towards your parents. Maybe you have all these things that, that come together and go, you will never be what you think you're going to be. You said something interesting earlier when we were out uh, smoking a cigar. You said the enemy is, he realizes. Oh, yeah, yeah. What did you say? Yeah, I said the enemy is a loser. Yeah. But he's not a quitter. Yeah, man. Means that he will never quit. You defeat him in this area, he'll move to another one. Mm. He's relentless because he doesn't want to see you succeed in anything. And if you don't have, if you don't have that mindset, 
you'll never be truly victorious. You know, Mansfield is always, he's great about these high, overarching 10,000 feet subject matters. And then a simple mind like mine, I'm going to dumb it down to something that I can chew on and manage, man, to something very practical in my life. And I'm curious if, did it, did it do anything for you? Did it force you to look at anything, C.A. Kim? Because I, I have one that's very simple that it forced me to look at. But did did this whole discussion about facing the current devils, the current things in front of you that are fighting against your ultimate victory and all that, did it bring up any of those things that you need to look at? Personally, it kind of, you know, it, it had me thinking practically. Yeah. Because a lot of times when I'm, when I'm talking to guys, we're, we're trying to figure out a way to keep each other accountable. We're trying to figure out ways to, to help each other out, give each other adjustments or whatever else. And it's always really difficult. And I'm thinking like this is really practical, actually. Yeah. If I'm going to face my reality, honestly, and look at the things that I'm going through, I could clearly, you know, like I've, I've a hard time with relationships. So my friend on the phone he doesn't have to know the intimate details of my life, you know, to know that I'm not good at reaching out, you know, yeah. and that's an adjustment he can, you suggest all the time and I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But I think like practically it gives me, or I think it give every man something to, to really with the guys in your circle be like, Hey, I've examined this part of my life and I've looked at it honestly. And I feel like, I need adjustment. How do you like, what, what do you see in me? Hmm. You know, and what adjustments do you, do you see I should make? And like, I, I always desired that, but I never really had a practical way to figure it out. We just kind of be fumbling around be like, Oh yeah, we'll just, uh, I struggle with this, you know, yeah. do this, but it sort of really takes it to the level of like, do I look at it honestly? And I say, I can't do this on my own. I need help. You know, as men, I think that a lot of times, JT, we overcomplicate these big ideas because they sound so big and so mm -hmm. vast. And then this guy's the circumstance that he was up against. I mean, they're very big and dramatic. But again, when I heard it, man, I began to examine my own life. And and I mentioned this to you earlier, JT. You know, I'm about to be 60 years old. Jack, which you are old. Bro, I can't I'm even, just, I can't, I honestly, old. I honestly can't imagine being 60 years old because I told you before, I never suspected that I would get past 22. Yeah. When, you know, when I got, you know, in my mid twenties, I was like, wait, how did, how did that happen? Because of the life that I was living and, and just the scrupulous things that I would do in my life, man, I had no idea that I would get to my twenties. So anyway, I'm listening to this and I begin to examine my life and because I'm turning 60, man, I'm examining every little thing about longevity in my life. And I live in a two-story home. And I had noticed that when I come down the stairs, man, like, I'm, man, is, is this stair getting deeper? Because <laughs> I feel that in my knee, man. I mean, what is going on? And it had been going on and on and on. And I realized probably for the last six months that I had been dehydrated. Mm. And so like 10, eight or 10 days ago, I made a dedication to get back on my water, get back to drinking a gallon of water a day, which I haven't gotten to, but I'm close to it. And all of a sudden, this demon, this thing that I had been facing that had been giving me resistance, this pain in my knees, it's gone because my body was properly hydrated and began to cushion my, my joints and all those things. And I'm just thinking about how many little simple steps that if we would just look and face them, 
you know, could we attend to and attack immediately and resolve in our lives and move on to a new thing? So again, big-minded, high-minded, 10,000 feet go, but I'm trying to break it down to some very particular things in my life because I do want to be in the vein of continually progressing. So that was something that got me back on drinking my water and being hydrated. And I noticed as well that I'm not so groggy and tired when I wake up from four or five hours sleep like I used to be Mm. simply by being hydrated. Mm. So that's an encouragement for you. Like this doesn't have to be some overarching big thing in your life where you go attack the biggest demon that you can find or the biggest opposition that you can find. How about practice and look at some of these smaller things in our lives? And when I mentioned this to JT, he goes, you know what? That's over optimistic. (laughs) I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? I I identified it. I attacked. He goes, but why weren't you drinking the water? Because you're being optimistic about, I know this is a natural process in my body. I know it's what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to be okay. So I'm just not going to do it. And I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I'm not like the other guys. Yeah. This is not going to affect me as much. And, and on your practical note, you know, one thing that I've been doing over the last five months because you you know to attack what I was going to attack, I had to have some very very small wins every day, and it's funny, man. I just started, and I don't know why I thought about this. Maybe something Jordan Peterson said because I'm such a Jordan Peterson fan. But I started making the bed every morning. Yeah, it's a good one. I do it too. And my wife did it, you know, because I would go off to work. I, I mean, honestly, it wouldn't even be a thought in my head that. She had to do that, mm-hmm. right? So it was like, you know what? I'm I'm going to commit myself to every day, just simply making the bed. Yeah. Then I added at night, I'm going to get the bed ready for us to go to sleep. So I'm actually bookending my day and an accomplishment that is so small, so frivolous, funny that one day I missed making the bed up because I left earlier than my wife and somebody reminded you and somebody (laughs) who's very beautiful reminded me that I didn't make the bed. Yeah, man. And it it, it was like, man, and again, these thoughts that go through your head, it's like the simplest of things are just as important as the big things that we want to defeat. Yeah. It's these small, like Jay was saying, these practical things that we can do every day, but we can build upon a success because what the enemy does, by the way, the enemy of your soul does, he builds on failures. So he'll take a failure and build another failure on top of it. Yeah. You might as well give it up because you already missed it. That's right. So why would you do the next thing? Mm -hmm. You've already failed at this. So why would you do this? Well, well, why would you do that? And so he, he builds a house of cards on failures where when we do these practical little things every day, Make the bed first thing. Again, this is my thing. I'm not saying for every man should do that, but it just does something in me when I turn and look at that bed made up and said, I've had a success in the first 15 minutes of my day. And that's important. That's important to me because it it reminds me that I can be successful. Yeah. It's a little step that scores you big brownie points, though. Sure. So here's what's funny. So I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up because here's the thing. I don't do it for brownie points. Yeah. Yeah. I do it because I need to be more disciplined. I need to be successful mm-hmm. in some very small things yeah. to prove to myself that I can be successful. Cause this, I'm just telling you these last five months have been, you're not going to do anything mm-hmm. outside of going to work every day, 
and coming home. That's basically going to be your life for what you, what you've been involved in, what you've done, the things in the past that you've let creep back into your life. You have lost everything. And man, you start listening to that voice and that voice. So failure upon failure upon failure Mm. will lead to, I'm a failure. I'm a failure and everybody would be better without me. That's what that leads to. Eventually, that's what that, and that doesn't mean that you go out and and commit suicide. What it does mean is that you'll commit suicide in your marriage. You'll commit suicide as a father, meaning that you will destroy those relationships because you actually believe that. So th- there, there comes a death. And I was just, you know, again, not to delve into my stuff, but I'm telling you, I took simple steps, but then I took major steps to make sure that that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And it's the only reason I'm sitting across from you today is because I took those steps and I realized that I, that enemy can be defeated. Like I can be freed from that prison because I have the key. Mm. Somebody else doesn't have the key. I have the key. And so it's like, I finally used the key to let me out of the prison. Yeah. A failure in certain areas that really, you know, the enemy doesn't play fair, very patient, doesn't play fair. And so if you're a failure in one area, he'll make you feel like you're a failure in all areas. And I know there's a lot of guys that feel that way, for yeah. sure. And so I'm, I'm, you know, overanimated and my mind's just going a thousand miles an hour. But when you say about the, the key, I'm thinking about like in the horror movies, man, where there's something going on on the other side of the door and you're on this side of the door and you're trying to get the key in because you don't know what's really going to be there. And you're not sure if you want to turn the key because of what opposition you might be meet on the other side. And you just, you're frozen. You have the ability to go in. You're not sure if you want to mm-hmm. go in, but you need to go in because mm-hmm. somebody's in there that you need to rescue or whatever. But we get stuck at these places, man, where we don't even want to turn the key to go inside. And that was just one offshoot of your conversation that I thought about. But you mentioned something that's interesting. And I think Maybe we could touch on it for a minute, but these rituals that we create in our lives to have success, yeah, you know, and that's been around a long time, making up the bed in yeah. the morning. And as mundane as it sounds, it's true that at least you get to start your day with something that you committed to complete and you complete it. Yeah. And then I'm interested in your nighttime ritual when you turn down the bed and get it ready for you know, you and your bride to go to sleep. What's what's that look like, man? Is there candles? Is there incense? Yeah. Do you so, put the music on, man? Do you put feathers and yeah. rose petals all on the bed? What's what's that look like? Oh, yeah, perfume, the whole thing. <laughs> cool. Yeah. See, it's funny where guys' minds go yeah. because it's it's literally there's no strings attached to right. what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm honestly doing it for me. Yeah. I want to have a success. I want to book in my book in my day. I, and I do want to serve my wife. I'm for sure. I want, I think that she deserves to be flowered with whatever she wants to be flowered with, whether it's gifts or acts of service or whatever conversation, whatever. But it is again, just the simple fact of turning down that bed and knowing that because a lot of times she goes to bed before I do, I'm a night owl. She's, you know, about 10 o'clock, her mouth starts kind of dropping and her eyes go in the back of her head and she's asleep pretty much. That's every night. So she turns into a zombie. (laughs) (laughs) This is a whole topic of another discussion, but she could, she's like you first time I ever, you traveled with me somewhere. We walk into a hotel 
there's double beds, by the way, just so everybody understands <laughs> that. I go to the some be, reason you both be of you are the, the whole puffy yeah, thing just, going on yeah, right just, now, man. We got to be clear. I'm just letting you know. But for some reason, both of y'all shared one of the queens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was well. snuggly and warm. <laughs> Negative. So it's funny. You said, I'm going to lay down. I go to the bathroom. I, I am literally in there a minute and I walk out and you are snoring. Yeah. It was like one of the greatest and most frustrating moments of my life. Cause I can't do that. Yeah. My wife can do that. So my wife can go to sleep fast and sleep all night long. I just can't do that. So I'm just telling you that yeah. I, I do it as a service to her and as a service to myself and your own success saying that, man, I did this for, so it's the bookend of those moments in that day. And I, and again, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do it every day for sure. And I'm not going to get religious about it and just, you know, yeah. feel like I failed if I didn't do it. I'm not going to get, it's not, it's not a law that I have to, that I have to follow. It is just something that I want to do. If I'm capable, if I'm there, I'm doing it. You know, a band of brothers and all that. And Steven said something and he prefaced it with, you know, I'm not being insulting here or, or something like that, but he said, let's dispense with the happy talk. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And and Jay, man, <laughs> does does happy talk bring anything up to you? Because, you know, a lot of times, man, it's difficult to get you to go deep and get some things out of you. And I'm I'm wondering how attached all of us are to this happy talk. Hey man, mm. what's going on? Oh, I'm good. How was your day? Great. You know, just yeah. the happy talk. Everything's fine. Everything's, you know, groovy. And I know a lot of times we don't want to lay all this burden on somebody because the last thing you want is somebody that every time you see them, they load you up with 30 minutes of issues. But Jay, the happy talk and and maybe identifying evils and all that in your life, did any of that spur anything for you? I think everybody has a different reason. You know, we, we're all unique, but uh, I think mine's pretty common. Like we were, we talked about it, you know, through the last couple episodes where I, I have my own prison kind of, of just because of how badly ridiculed I was when I had a condition, as soon as I was healed from that, the unholy vow I made that um, no one's ever going to let me feel that way again. You constantly have your guard up. So I do have my guard up. And for me, the happy talk is a way to have you not ask me anything, mm. you know, and, and it's sort of love prison of my own making, you know, and I got to really key in and go back to that moment and undo that vow that I made. But, um, in the meantime, it is something that does keep me from from connecting on that deep level. And I think to a certain extent, a lot of guys, it's 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 some kind of pain, some kind of trauma is keeping them from opening up, you know, and for me, it's physically wanting to push people mm -hmm. away, mm -hmm. you know, but depending on whatever it is, it what I'm realizing now, because I. You know, as the optimist, like I was like, I got this figured out. I, I know what the problem is. I know what I need to deal with and I know how to deal with it. But then now I think about it, like in terms of like, no, I need to honestly reflect on the chaos that's right here in front of me. And I think by examining that, like even thinking about what I'm, you know, what I'm going through, I think it takes us out of the habit of being so happy talk optimistic. You know, it's good to have a good hope and reality, like a good hope of a future, but face the reality in front of you, honestly. And I think by doing the, the what you're talking about, the rituals and everything that develops a habit. And I think for guys, if we start with the small things, you know, we're no longer going to be like, oh, you know, my knees are hurting now. All I got to do is work out and I'll be fine. Yeah. You know, and, and it's sort of like, no, you're 
the reality is, is I can't do the things I did when I was 25, you know, and get and, behind me. <laughs> but there is that thing in my brain where I'm like, my knees will stop hurting when I start working out. Again. Right. And I'm like, no, I'm 41 years old. It's not going to be the same as it was, you know, but we have this idea in our heads of like, oh, I could just it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And whether it's from a memory of how things were when you were younger you know, but or anything it, that that idea keeps you from examining honestly. And if we make a habit of examining the simple things first, it becomes a thing that breaks that habit of, of just being too optimistic about it and, and facing the reality first. Yeah, it makes you make a lot. And Stephen alluded to this. It, it, being overly optimistic actually breeds excuses. It, it can't help but to, because you don't want to really, as you just said, it doesn't really, you don't want to really examine the problem. Right. You, you, you just want to make an excuse of why you're not accomplishing or an excuse of why you're feeling the way you're feeling. Like you, I mean, do I know what I need to do? Yeah. That's a lot different than doing it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of men, make excuses of not doing something. They don't make excuses of knowing what to do. It's coping mechanism for sure. And again, this term, you know, I've been, I've been mulling over this term for the last several months is, am I willing to excavate for explanation or am I just going to make an excuse? An explanation of, of an issue leads to a solution. So I remember, you know, several months ago we had a, uh, we thought we had a foundational issue uh, in this house that I'm constructing right now. And I could have made an excuse. I could have said, well, you know, it, that's not really the problem. You know, it's probably this. And I could have brushed over it for sure. 30 years mm-hmm. later. Thir- yeah. 30 years later, my client has a major issue mm-hmm. because foundational issues don't go away by themselves. They don't self-regulate and they don't self-fix. They don't self-repair. They don't do that. In fact, more erosion, more water, more uh, colluvial soil or clay soil, whatever, the more that's present, the worse it's actually going to get over time. So if we hadn't have done the duty of going, okay, let's dig down, let's redig this, find out if there's an explanation of why this is, why this is seemingly failing. And we did find something that was, oh, we didn't remove all the clay soil under that area and water makes it expand drought makes it contract contract. And so what was happening was that foundation was weak at that point. Mm-hmm. If I'd have just made an excuse for it, it would have never got taken care of. But because yeah. we did the hard work of digging down 12 feet and figuring that out, because we wanted an explanation. We weren't, we weren't willing to just to live with an excuse and that's what we do a lot of the times. We look at the things in our lives that beseech us and that are that we're failing in. We go, I don't want to do the hard work of ex, of an explanation, so I'll just make an excuse. But excuses keep us real shallow. Yeah. Super shallow. And explanations make you have to go deep. I had to go back deep into my childhood where I had major traumas happen to me that I've never ever dealt with. And you really weren't interesting in going looking at them again because they were so powerful. I was not interested at all, but the effects were so became came to light and became so painful that it was the pain of excavating was less than the pain of living with this. Yeah. 
Unfortunately for men, that's what we do. We say, I'm not going to change until the pain of staying the same hurts worse than the pain of change. Yeah. And that's when we do it. But we have to face these. I mean, Stockdale is a great illustration of let's not make excuses. Let's not stay in some optimistic unreality of, hey, I'm going to be out in three days. But the the paradox is, can, can I hold on to the future that I've been told that I would have? Have other people spoken into my life and said, man, you're great at this. You're good at this. Has we, have we gone and say we see our giftings and we go, man, if you would just do these simple things, you would have such an impact on maybe not the world. I'll get so sick of that. You know, you're going to change the world. No, no, no. Just freaking change your bed and change your family's life first and then come talk to me about <laughs> changing the world. Right. But we have to be willing to face those things which we conceive and we have it in our mind are going to be so painful. But in reality, it's the thing that brings us the most healing. It would save you a world of hurt. And others a world of hurt. Yeah. Because our actions and our thoughts and the, our traumas and our wounds, we act like they're not going to hurt anybody because that's another optimistic thing that we think is that, no, this is just going to affect me. No, it's going to affect every single person that loves you, every single person that's in your path. And every single person that you've told to do something that you're unwilling to do yourself. Yeah. It's all of them. Is is it true, man, that if a lot of what we do in our behavior today is built on the things that have happened to us in the past or things that we've done in the past, we react to them like they become habits to deal with whatever it is that we're trying to cover in the past. And I'm just thinking about, you know, one of the things that Stephen said, he says, you have to look at what habit that you've formed that's damaging you. And I just think about, man, being, you know, young and growing up and and being at a place when I was very young where I didn't have an opinion and I couldn't say what I wanted to say. And then getting into my 20s and going, I'm going to say everything that I freaking want to say. I don't care who it hurts, who it offends. Yeah. And I remember living my life like that for 20, probably 20 years and then coming to the realization that, you know, every fight is not mine. Every situation is not a battle for me to win. And I began to monitor some of the things that I say. So I have a habit and it's just coming to me here in the last three or four months, man, that like when I get into a confrontation with someone, I, I honestly, I honestly enjoy confrontation, man. I enjoy it. But I, I know that I have to monitor myself and not relish it so much. And I began to monitor that in myself. So when I came up against opposition, my first reaction is, well, let me stop. Let me listen. Let me make sure I understand. And let me give this person a chance to express what it is they're trying to say without attacking it. And I think that maybe that I've created a habit where I've taken it too far. And maybe I don't say things that I need to say now in the vein of, I mean, I could burn you down right now. I could just let you have it right now. So in my own heart and on my, my in my own mind, I feel like I'm doing you a favor by not giving you the honest truth. But maybe I need to recalculate how I would give you that information because I've turned that into a habit, I feel like, in my life, that there are some things when I come up against opposition that I won't say. In my heart, I feel like it's to save you, but am I saving myself? I don't know. And I'm just thinking this through as we're chatting right now, man. But, but, you know, facing those habits that damage you. And for you, Jay, I think it be it's become like a habit to kind of keep everybody, you know, at not a full arm's length away. You you bend your arms and get them kind of close to you where we can get pretty close, but maybe you still have your hands up 
uh, to stop certain people from, you know, getting into your private space, man. And it's just a habit that we come up with in reaction to wounds and things that have happened to us in the past. How do we break past that? Well, I, I feel like uh, now I don't have a whole lot of context here. I watch a lot of home renovation TV, but <laughs> as a home builder, JT, Mm-hmm. If if there's we, a foundation, we, we, issue, we love people like you. By the way, yeah, you, no, you, no. you know what I, we call that? We call that job security, right there. Yeah, but I, I would never actually try to do any of the <laughs> DIY stuff I see on TV. But um, if you see a, if you see you have a foundation problem, you call a foundation expert, right? Of course. You know, if you if you find out like, oh, maybe there's trouble in the way the plumbing was done here, you would hire a good plumber to identify what the problem is. Right? Absolutely. So I was thinking in terms of that, like. We have uh, mental stuff. We have mm-hmm. emotional stuff that we can't possibly just tackle on our own or have a have a friend just come in, give you like an amateur therapy session. I, I feel like a lot of this is, you know, going to find the, the right expert. A professional. A professional. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I heard a, a guy speaking on this the other day, and he said a lot of times, man, the, the strongest Christian can be in opposition to truth outside of the Bible. And and he was saying, man, that truth, when it's actual truth, that it's all provided by God. So it might be mental health truth. It might be physical health truth. It might be, you know, foundation truth. But when we box ourselves in to go, nope, mm -mm, I don't see that in the word. You know, I don't see that in the Bible. We refuse to listen to a therapist or we refuse to listen to a, you know, a, a, a foundation specialist. Well, I'm just going to pray over it. And, you know, we have to if we're honest with ourselves and we believe that God is the author of all truth, then we have to be able to recognize truth in other fields of expertise. You know, it, it'll be like us trying to produce our own podcast. I mean, yeah. that'll be even worse than it already is. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> well, let me let me land this plane uh, because I know we're Tom. And again, Jay, thank you for stepping in. Uh, it's been incredible. Thank you. I've listened to all of them. I've had very little negative things to say to you, which I've held <laughs> back. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, it was truth be told. It was more Anthony. But uh, thank you. Yeah. Let, let's land this as on a practical. Here's some things that you don't need to do as, as you listen to this, you don't need to be overly optimistic. And I think that Jay did a great job of saying things that were overly optimistic, right? I can, I, I can do this. I don't need anybody. You know, I got this, uh, that's being overly optimistic in the, in the enemy that you're facing, right? Don't make excuses, Look for an explanation of why you are the way that you are. Look for an explanation of your mindsets that you have, of the proclivities that you have, of why you treat people wrongly, why you treat people. Like I know that Anthony, when he meets somebody for the first time, there's a little bit of mistrust from the very beginning. Well, that comes from a lifetime of mistrusting and to his credit, he had to, in order to survive most of the things that he was involved in, which it, so that we understand why that's there, but we still have to face it and not make an excuse for it. But here's the, yeah, Before, go ahead. But yeah. You, you said something good when we were outside. You say excuses keep the damage going. Yeah. Excuses never solve anything. They don't solve a thing. A hundred percent. They make room for the damage to continue to grow and roll and progress. Absolutely. Explanations bring solutions. Because if I if you can explain why something broke, if you can explain why something failed, then I don't have to repeat that process mm-hmm. again. That's why. I, look, I've gone through what I've gone through. I'll never repeat again. Yeah. 
because it's like, okay, I, we figured it out. We didn't make an vitamin excuse, no explanation, no solution would have come. Right. right. What I want you to do though, is do small things in your life that bring you success. The simplest of things. Mine is, I said, making a bed in the morning, getting it ready at night. There's other things I won't go into that I do every day now that just build a platform of, I can be successful. I'm not listening to my enemy saying that I'll never be what I think I can be or what I'm called to be. We do need to ask those close to us. Here's a great question. How is it to live with me? Mm, gosh. And you can ask your wife, your best friend. No, really. How, how is it? I mean, what's the effects of living with me? Mm-hmm. What's that look like? It's a great question. Yeah. Uh, and then get help. And here's what I've learned. And again, I'm a local church guy. I mean, I've been on staff at a church, even though I'm not anymore. I mean, I believe in the local church. I believe in church. I believe you should be in church. Okay. However, the church does something really, really well, which is spiritual growth. It does other things not so well. Meaning that if I want to get physically fit, I'm not going to the church. I'm going to a gym and a trainer because mm-hmm. that's what they do. If I want to get emotionally in shape or fit, I'm probably going to go to a therapist, a counselor, or some kind of life coach. And that's not a negative thing to say. Absolutely, It's actually very, very realistic. And valid. I'm going to be spiritually strong, I go to church. I'm going to be physically strong, go to a gym. If I want to be emotionally strong and learn how to do that, I'm going to a counselor, therapist, coach. A lot of damage happens when you're looking for emotional help at church. Because they're not equipped. And again, this is not a negative thing. They're just not equipped. I think that I'm spiritually as strong as I've ever been. I've, I've been in church. I understand. But I was such an emotional kid. Yeah. Actually, I was a child when it came to my emotions because I'd never learned. And it's not something that can be cast out of you, so to speak. It's something that's got to be identified. It's something that's got to be, here's how you, here's the growth that you need to go through. Here's the steps that you need to go through. And then there's the action of doing it. There's, there's no magic pill when it comes to that. There's no prayer because I think that God wants us to go through that process because that's what matures us and grows us as people. Yeah. He's not going to take you from a child to a 50 year old. Guess what? I got to go through every single year. And I have to learn every single, I don't get to skip anything. Yeah. And I think emotionally, we don't think about it that way, but it is true. If I'm a child, if I'm a four-year-old child emotionally, guess what? There's, there's some time that's got to be taken for me to grow up emotionally. Again, I'm not saying that in a shameful way. I'm not saying that in any other way. It's just reality. It's what we're talking about. I, I have a vision for my future, but I got to face my, I got to face the bastards now that are trying to keep me from, from realizing that future. Yeah. So that's it. I think that's how we walk away from this episode. We do these things that Stevens that Stephen brought up with James, James Bond, Bond Stockdale. Stockdale. And we use his life to look at a look at us and say, what's the prisons that I'm in? Don't be ashamed about them. Just face them. And what can I do to get out of this prison? Because that's one of the skills of being a great man. No, I want Jay to say it. Uh, Jay, why don't you say it? Thinking, having a vision for the future. Yeah. But staring the bastards in the face is one of the great arts of great manhood.
To join the Great Man community or to book Stephen to speak at your man's event, go to greatman.tv. There, you'll also find incredible resources to help you become the great man you are made to be. The Great Man Podcast is a Wise Company production. Yeah.